Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile, and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no-drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Sophia! <laughs> Hi, there he is. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for coming on board. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, everybody. It is Literally with me, Rob Lowe. Um, today, we are going to have a very, very thoughtful talk with the, um, as you are about to find out, unbelievably interesting, smart, accomplished, Sophia Bush. We're going to talk everything from pop culture of One Tree Hill. Oh, my God! One Tree Hill! Oh, my God! To social justice and how you become a Tournament of the Roses parade queen. Or as it is more properly known the Tournament of Roses debate queen, because i that's the one thing I haven't done in my career yet. It's not too late, so we're going to find out with Sophia Bush. Look at this cool studio of yours. I know. Well, I wish I could say it was like in my basement or something. And, and I, when I first started doing the podcast, it was in my basement. But since COVID, I'm in uh, this very cool uh, studio in Santa Barbara. And in, in, like it, there's musician stuff everywhere. It makes me feel like I'm more creative than I actually am. I love that. I built myself a little studio under the stairs at my house. So this is my, this is my little office. And you're, you're doing your own podcast now. I am. I do two now. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> Where, when, when did you start doing 
which came first? Which podcast came first? So I started Work in Progress, uh, my my sort of, you know, deep dive, laugh and, and cry and learn about all the things show in 2019. Um, I had been talking to a friend and I said, well, you know, I was texting with Gloria Steinem. My friend looked at me and was like, that's a ridiculous thing to say. And I was like, isn't it ridiculous? Like, you know, if I had told my journalism student self going to USC Annenberg that that would happen to me someday, I wouldn't have believed it. And, and I thought, you know, I just thought, what if I could take some of these conversations off of text threads and make them available to everyone? And so to interview women like her and, you know, senators and congresspersons and creators and writers and musicians and authors. It's been so much fun. Which ones stand out for you? There have been so many people who've just been fascinating. Valerie Carr, uh, the author, to interview Jamil Smith from Rolling Stone, to uh, to have, you know, Evan McMullen, like the former foreign policy director of the GOP is probably not a person that a lot of people think I would have on my podcast. We had a great time. We talked for three and a half hours. I was like, my poor editor, what are we going to do? Oh, um, wow. And it was that, you know, the the love of real depth, which is sort of the opposite of, you know, the internet and clickbait and short form tweets that made me think when COVID hit and I was FaceTiming with my girlfriends from my first show, We'd be like on a FaceTime, we'd all open a bottle of red wine, we'd be cooking dinner together, chatting, you know, isn't this so weird? We're just stuck at home. And I said to the girls, I was like, you know, I think we have to do a podcast. I think we could reclaim our show and have so much fun. So I have one very deep, uh, deep show and then one pop culture show and I love it. Yeah, it's kind of, you kind of get both of your interests, you know, serviced at the same time. How did you decide to start yours? It's sort of like you said, your text thread with Gloria Steinem, there are people in my life that I think are so interesting and fun, and Mm -hmm. a lot of people are interested in them but don't know them the way I know them. Yeah. So to to share sides of people that people already think they know and to present them in a different way. And for me as a fan, you know, when you have Lindsey Buckingham on and you talk about his guitar solo and Go Your Own Way or, you know, I just, so the fan part of me, the fanboy gets to go you know, crazy. And so I've, yeah. I've had so much fun doing it. Isn't it interesting too? I, I'm wondering if you experience this on your show. You know, we're both storytellers. I imagine you love to chat, have a great long dinner with people, yeah. you know, really get into a topic. But there's something about the permission slip of an interview. Yeah, totally. I have discovered things about people that I have thought I've known for so many years. I've discovered things when I've had people on the show that I didn't know before. And and then on the other side of it, I think because it's a long form, um, people forget they're being interviewed and mm. also, you know, maybe open up in ways that they don't, that they might not. Otherwise, I know I do. Whenever yeah. I'm on somebody else's show, I come off and go, did I just say something stupid? Am I going to get dragged <laughs> for something? Because I, I was just I was just talking, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Especially because sometimes when you are chatting, you know, you're, you're formulating a thought in real time. You haven't had the, the opportunity to sit, think about something, form an opinion on it, and then, you know, give it a quippy answer. Yeah, and, right. And it can be a bit scary. Was I clear on what I meant? I don't know if I... If I I'm never clear. I, I just know that going in. I'm, I'm not... <laughs> clarity is sometimes not my... Not my friend. 
I'm clear just often enough that when I'm not, it, <laughs> it, it gives me nightmares, but I'm not, I'm not clear so much that I never, <laughs> that I never fumble and say something that I read back later and go, wow, I really could have done a better job with that. You were raised, you went to Westlake, right? You're Westlake? Westridge. Oh, not West. Okay. So where is that exactly? Westridge is in Pasadena. I, uh, okay. I grew up right near what is now the Grove, which, you know, didn't exist then close to the yep. Hollywood Farmer's Market yep. um, on Fifth Street, right off Sweetser. And my dad had a studio on Beverly. And then in junior high, I started going to an all girls school in Pasadena and the commute eventually. My parents were like, Absolutely how did you do that commute? I mean, I didn't do it. My parents did it. I didn't have a driver's license. <laughs> oh my God. How did, okay, how did they figure, how did they pick that? That's a, that's a, that's a, a commitment. Yeah, totally. Well, they wanted me to go to an all girls school. They liked the academics that it fostered and, and certainly the confidence in terms of, you know, being outspoken about one's opinions and speaking in public. And, uh, my parents were looking at Westridge where we had a family member also attending. And then they were looking at Marlboro, which is another, you know, girls school kind of closer to where we, we lived. Um, and there was like, you know, some scandal there. I don't know. I think like some sophomore girls got caught smoking pot or something. My parents <laughs> were like, absolutely not. Well, that's it. You're we're out. going to Pasadena, <laughs> you know, and now there's a dispensary on every corner. So yeah, right? LOL. But, um, in later years, I found was what sort of pushed them to want me to be in a bit of a smaller community environment. And Westridge was absolutely incredible. I loved every minute of it there. Um, and then at 17, you become the Tournament of the Roses. What's the official title? Queen? Yeah, it's so weird. It's such a misnomer because... The entire, um, you know, the year that you work with the Tournament of Roses as a as a high school kid, you're kicking off, you know, 2,000 philanthropic initiatives and events, and you're going and you're giving speeches in, you know, five to six cities around the Pasadena area every week. And it's a public speaking thing. It's kind of yeah. like... Once you get it, you're talking about once you... Oh, no, even to get it. You really? have to do on-the-fly um, speeches where they give you a topic... Walk me through the process of of getting to be the Tournament of the Roses Queen. How does it it's begin? Just weird. Ugh, I wish they would call it something else because people were like, oh, you did pageants. I'm like, no, I did debate. Uh, but, the, you know, the whole thing for us was basically all the all the kids who try out, they throw a ball. It's like a prom. And when you go to a school where you have 55 girls in your entire class, you don't have a real prom. You have like these funny little dances. Um, and so... All of us, you know, all the seniors think, well, we want to go to that. There's going to be like 2,000 kids there, like a big high school. And so everyone rolls in to try out one day. And shocker, I had thoughts on how you could give back to your community to politics, even at that age. And so every time they'd give me a speech topic, I had plenty to say. And, and I kept going through these rounds of this thing, really not understanding what a big deal it was. I didn't grow up in Pasadena and, you know, my dad moved here from Canada. My my mother's mother moved here from Italy. Like, we didn't understand what a big deal this whole thing was. And then suddenly I got picked to do it. Um, and before I knew it, I was running around, you know, just giving speeches all while trying to complete my senior year in high school and apply to colleges. It was a little crazy, but 
it was certainly, I think, wonderful training for the insanity of an actor's schedule because, you know, if you got five minutes to breathe, you got five minutes to do a rehearsal yes. is, <laughs> is how it works in our world. And so I think it, um, I think it taught me very quickly what it would mean to wear many hats. And it's probably why I can do a, a TV show and political work and two podcasts and be here with you today. <laughs> I know. And tell me, so how did One Tree Hill come into existence? And what do you, what do you think the the why is it that people are still so fixated on on that show and why did it make its mark yeah gosh i wonder what that is right for people who have these sort of zeitgeist shows i want to pick your brain about that you have to come on my show i'm realizing because i want to ask you ten thousand questions <laughs> you can you, ask them here too but you've had many of them and like all these people started doing pandemic rewatches, right? And so right. many people started to rewatch One Tree Hill. I started to rewatch The West Wing. And ah. I was like, oh my God, I just want to talk to Rob Lowe about this so badly. <laughs> and we have a gorgeous point of connection with The West Wing and One Tree Hill, which is the inimitable Moira Kelly. Of course. I mean, what an icon that woman is. I forgot about Mo We've Moira. My gosh. Can you yes. believe Oh, yeah. I mean... When she drives her Beamer up on the sidewalk and is screaming at that guy, I, God, she's so cool. Yeah, that's a great scene. That's one of the great, great entrances. And I think it's in the pilot. I think that, or the second episode, but I it's early it's on. I think it's the second episode, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I just couldn't get enough of it. And so, you know, my, my show that's a zeitgeist show that I had no idea would be... Did you guys know when you were, like, when you were doing The West Wing, were you like, oh, this is going to be an evergreen show? No, God, no. We thought it would be... It, we were we were certain we would be on the canceled too soon list. Ah. You know that famous list of yeah. brilliant shows that never got the. We thought we 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 knew we were making a great show. That mm. was new, new, new for sure. But we felt like nobody would watch it, and we would be gone by Thanksgiving. Wow! You know, One Tree Hill was kind of similar for us. They they always liked to tell us we were on the bubble. I think because you know, post friends, they were like, don't ever let your actors think the show's going to last because they'll ask for more money or something, for sure. which was really weird. Um, you know, I was just, I was in college. I was working on my summer breaks and spring breaks, you know, being a total pain in the ass for my agents. I remember they were like, you treat your career like it's an extracurricular activity. And I was like, it is like an extracurricular activity. I'm in the Annenberg school of journalism. <laughs> I took it so seriously. And, um, and, and you're shooting this, in North Carolina at the time, yeah, right? Yeah, it was North Carolina. Were you at the big studio there in Wilmington? Yep. Screen gems. Yeah, I'm not crazy. Like, that's a good life, shooting in North Carolina, right? And, and shooting there. I think, look, I think if you were doing it now and you could take your family, you would love it. I think when you're 21 years old and you're trying to find yourself and you're in a town where everyone is either an 18-year-old college kid or like a 50 to 60-year-old retired golfer. Mm -hmm. You're kind of like, what am I doing here? And um, it it was it was hard for us. It was really also obviously wonderful at times, but it was very insulated. And you know, you can't get a direct flight home, so All right. It's it's hard in that way. Um, but I I wound up out there because I had done a a pilot for the same producers who produced One Tree Hill. And that pilot did not go. Oh, it was fabulous. Jeffrey Nordling played my dad, and he's so cool. And seeing him on Big Little Lies, I just was like, hell yeah, Jeff, you're killing it. You mm -hmm. know, and he's so cute. He's always like, oh, thanks, kid. He's called me kid <laughs> since I was, you know, 19 years old. He's an angel. 
Um, but the producers called and said, I'll never forget it. One of the guys was like a really New York guy. And he goes, well, we made this show. And it's about these kids in North Carolina. And it's so depressing. The four of them are sad. We need somebody to come in and be fun. And I was like, all right. <laughs> like, I've never, I, you know, I'm in college. I'm like, I don't know what this means. So I go in and I read for this job. And then before I know it, I'm, you know, in a callback and then a test. I still can't remember if it's a network or a studio test that happens first. I should know this by now, but I don't. I go to these tests and then they say, you're moving to North Carolina in two weeks. Wow. You know, I think about it now. I realized that I seemed like I had it, my my act together to a lot of people, I think probably because of the confidence that a school like Westridge gave to me. But, you know, I was three years out of an all-girls school and I moved to North Carolina to star on a TV show. I had no idea what was going on. It, I, was the, I was just like this naive little baby deer. But similarly to, to your experience, we just wondered what's going to happen. And every week the ratings went up and up and up and up and up. And it was all word of mouth. I mean, it was just like catching like wildfire. And still every year they told us we were probably going to get canceled. And then we were on for nine years. That is so funny. Uh, Nine years and every year you're, oh God, that's so unbelievable. But it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day? Or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day. Or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment. There's only one answer. California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California. Um, and I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Looking for a sparkling clean bathroom without so much hassle? Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner is here to revolutionize your cleaning future. Just spray today, rinse tomorrow, and voila! Enjoy a sparkling clean shower and tub without any scrubbing. It's the secret to a hassle-free, clean bathroom that many are discovering. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner has proven its effectiveness on shower glass, fixtures, tiles, and more, ensuring everything shines with minimal effort. This product has gained a loyal following thanks to its once-a-week application that makes it a standout in the cleaning aisle. Join the ranks of satisfied users who enjoy more me time and less clean time with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner, available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. It's the perfect choice for anyone wanting to simplify their cleaning routine. Don't miss out on a chance to transform your bathroom cleaning with just one application a week. Pick up a bottle of Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and join the thousands who've already made the switch to Effortless Clean. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. 
They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. I also find it super interesting that, that you were for a minute in Terminator 3. I have a Polaroid somewhere that I need to find and send to you of me trying on jackets in a fitting for that movie. They kept trying blazers on me to try to make me look older. And I look <laughs> like somebody's 12-year-old sister trying on their mom's jackets. That's amazing. It, there was no way anyone was going to buy that me at 18, who looked 13, had right, been right. through veterinary school. Like, it was... <laughs> <laughs> and and how flattering, right, for them to be like, no, no, but you did really good in your audition. We want you to be in this movie. There, there was nothing they could do. They dyed my hair darker. They cut my hair shorter. They just, they tried everything. And I just looked like someone's derpy little sister coming to set every day being like, hey, guys. They give you a walker. Oh, my the God. They made your hair gray. It was so silly. Did you ever get to meet with Arnold? Or was Arnold even in it? Yeah, no, I did. I, I got to meet with him. We did this rehearsal and I remember he had to like pick me up and throw me over his shoulder. And I, I don't, I don't know. I'd been on like three sets. I didn't know what was going to happen. And he actually did. And I was like, God, it's, I'm, this is what you see every day. It's very high up here to the ground. <laughs> like it was just such a weird experience. And even he was like, who is this child? He started laughing when we met and I was like, this is probably a bad sign. <laughs> like I just was, I was a baby. You know, I'm sure someday you'll write a book and that like that, that chapter would be amazing because it's, yeah. it's just one sort of clusterfuck after another that, that totally. with all, everybody, everybody having the, the best intentions. Yeah. And you're just like, that's the stuff in, in a career and in Hollywood that always makes me laugh and I'm fascinated with because it's the, the calamities that people mm -hmm. don't ever know that go, that go on. Oh, for sure. I know. Let's put her in a blazer. Okay, that'll do the it. Blazer will fix it. That'll do. Dye her hair darker. She'll look older. And it's so hilarious to me because you know the girls and I are rewatching One Tree Hill now because of our podcast, uh, Drama Queens. We're watching season one, and we were all twenty one at the time, and we're going. We look. We actually do look like we're sixteen. We looked like babies, just babies. You know, people didn't have the. 
hair and makeup and the TikToks teaching you about skin and all the stuff that you have now. We just looked like little kids. And I and it, and it just makes me laugh to think that at 21, I was playing a 16-year-old. And when I was 18, someone tried to hire me to play a 27-year-old. Like, what was happening? I um, also, this is another great one is, so you, your character, um, Detective Lindsay, you've played on five different shows. Yeah. That's, the, I don't know if anybody's ever done that. Yeah, The I don't same know. character on five different shows. Yeah, all in the, all in the universe. The Wolfiverse. The Wolfiverse. So, Mike, just briefly, my, um, I take full responsibility personally for all of Dick Wolf's success in the oh, business. Do yes, tell. I do. I do. And I think, and whenever I see Dick, I, I am waiting for my percentage of the multi-billions <laughs> he's made. Dick wrote a movie for me called Masquerade. It's a really good movie, but was lost in the, just didn't do well, but really good. And it was such a disappointment to Dick that he said he was going to start writing television. No. And it was after that that he went and wrote Law and Order. So if my if I hadn't tanked my movie, Dick Wolf might not have ever gone to television. You really took one for the team, Rob. Lowe. I did. I took one for the team. What a I took kind one. man you are! You threw yourself on the wolf sword. That's really you launched a you launched generations worth of television. A juggernaut. Have you ever been to Dick's house? I've seen photos. Uh, it's funny. We were working in Chicago, and he got a piece of art, and we wound up in this conversation about it. And he takes his phone out, and he's showing me pictures. And at first, I'm like, this is a fabulous hotel. What does this have to do with the thing that you got? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, this is oh, this is your house, these photos you're showing me. Wow. I was like, yeah. maybe we all do the wrong thing, being, being the people in front of the camera. We should probably be behind the camera with the pen. No one has done better than Dick. And I he's mean, wonderful. And he's a really great guy. He's such a character. I mean, and I love, he suffers. No fools, no. which I love in a person. I love that. I just, yeah, I it's entertaining too. and it's great. Um, I mean, Jesus. Okay. So you were in Chicago PD, Law and Order, SUV, Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, and Chicago Justice. Yeah. It's a big universe. You're, you're like Robert Ory in basketball. He won championships <laughs> with, with five different teams. Yeah. It was very cool. Which was first? Chicago PD was first. Yeah, PD was first, and then the crossovers began with Fire, and then we did Justice, but that show didn't last, so then we started doing Med, and then I was going back and forth doing a lot of crossovers with SVU, which was such a trip, because as a young actor, that was always, you know, on my bucket list, and then rather yeah. than, like, doing one episode playing a victim of something, was I... Was Maloney still on it when you were there, or was it no, Mariska? No, Maloney wasn't there. It was me and Mariska, you know, Kelly, Ice-T... And God, we just had a blast. And, you know, they were fun. Mariska was like, you should just come here and work on our show. And yeah. we toyed with that idea for a moment. But it it's a really, you know, it's a wild thing that he's been able to build. And it was very cool for me to play a character who had a reason to especially go back and forth um, and be up at SVU as much as I did. You know, Mariska was certainly an inspiration uh, to me in a lot of ways. And I loved, you know, I, I loved whenever Dick Wolf was on set. He's fabulous. You know, he's he's such a great guy to be around. And, you know, 
he's the kind of guy you want on your team because he has your back, but he has your back with a baseball bat. You know, he's really, oh. he's lovely. And, and you know, you know, yeah. and I know not everybody in the TV world is like that. And certainly not everybody in my TV world of which he was the king was like that. The king can't be on, on one set every day. Um, but God, when he was around, it was always the best. Yeah, he is such an, he's just, he's been a sort of offline mentor to me because we're, we're neighbors in Montecito. Oh, so, cool. And uh, his first, his, his oldest son was in preschool with my oldest son. So we, you know, we were, we were young, we were young fathers together, Dick Wolf and I. Aww. So we had that to share, which was, which is super fun. Um, here's a, a interesting factoid. My wife, Cheryl, gave Mariska her first paying job ever. No way. She, yeah, so at Santa Pietro's Pizza Parlor up on Beverly Glen, oh my, my, God. my wife Cheryl ran it and hired Mariska uh, as the first waitress. The rest is history. So whenever we see Mariska, we have a good laugh about that. Wow. I love all those little sort of, you know, reach across connections that I know, right? in our business. Yeah, it's so fun. Um, oh, so let's talk about the Maasai Wilderness Conservation Trust. Yeah. Do you get to spend a lot of time in uh, Kenya? I'm assuming it's in Kenya. I have actually had three trips booked to go to Kenya, all of which I've had to cancel because of work. You know, they always say as an actor, like you want to, you want your show to get picked up. You want to book a job, book a trip. Uh, it'll, you'll, you'll only be working when you're supposed to be traveling. But I, I feel very fortunate. Edward Norton has been a patron of the trust for a long time. He and his wife, Shauna, who are just the loveliest people on earth, introduced me to it. And the work that they do to, as I believe all, all philanthropic efforts should, to empower the local community to be the stewards of their environment, to keep their culture um, intact and safe, uh, to protect, you know, the animals of the African wild and, and create other opportunities for tourism and income streams so that they can fend off the poaching industry. It's an incredibly well thought out organization and i i've yeah been so honored to you know raise some funds and and kind of hold up a bullhorn for them it's certainly something that even all these years you know into doing work for many groups i i still do not take it for granted i think it's pretty cool it's just such a profound experience and such a beautiful beautiful place and mm. um i first spent time with the maasai and the early 90s cool. and um, then have been back a, a, a ton. Spent more time now actually outside of Kenyan sort of uh, uh, Tanzania but that it's it's a great I actually got to shoot a movie in South Africa. <gasps> really? Um, on, in the Kruger. It's like really like for keeps down there. Yeah. It's pretty incredible and I've got friends who work on conservation efforts in Virunga, and I've not mm. been lucky enough to go yet. But uh, even having traveled to South Africa for a brief time, I isn't I'm it beautiful? Just, oh God, it's it's the most incredible continent, and and I think it's no accident that everyone who has the privilege of spending any time in any part of Africa feels this sort of sense of like the scope of the universe you realize that the you know millennia of history and human evolution and and all of it it just deserves our respect and reverence there's a reverence required there um 
that is makes your like makes your heart flutter a little bit, doesn't it? I know, I know. It's so it's it's pretty it's pretty pretty exciting. You know the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast? My dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats, keep my dogs healthy, and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. The weather is getting warmer. It's time to ditch the jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. But there's no need to waste money on clothes that only last one season with Quince. Now you can get high-quality pieces that never go out of style. You'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts for $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering with the top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings directly onto you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. My producer recently made an order for Quince, and here's what he had to say. I'm really excited to revamp my closet with Quince. I cannot wait for my items to arrive from Quince. You know, I'm a sweater guy. I was looking at that burgundy cashmere crew neck. I love the blue chore jacket. Maybe I'll throw some joggers in there. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash Rob for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Rob to get free shipping and 360 day returns. Quince.com slash Rob. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via Kia.com. 
slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. Um, okay, so you got good Sam. Yeah. Good Sam, baby. Good Sam. Good Sam is short for Good Samaritan Hospital, and I'm guessing Sam is also the name of one of the characters. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I don't know anything, but my TV experience tells me that I'm right. Am I right? Well, you are you are partially right and then completely right. I play <laughs> Sam. I knew uh, it. Is the is it is Good Samaritan also the name of the hospital? Our hospital is actually called Lakeshore. Uh, okay. which is a hospital set on the lake shore in Detroit, which is cool because that's kind of a, a city I have deep ties to. Oh, cool. And and yes, the idea of her, of, of this lead character of Sam being good Sam, does really revolve around the notion of what it means to be a good Samaritan, to be right. a helper. Uh, but because there are so many good Samaritan hospitals around the country, right. we, that was not a name we could take. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What? Um, who else, who are your co-stars? So Jason Isaacs plays my father. Great. And I mean, my God, what an what an icon and a man. But I must say, you can really get into the sort of peer group experience uh, of, of my generation when you realize you've had about a thousand text messages from friends saying, oh, my God, Lucius Malfoy is your dad. <laughs> you know, the Harry Potter right. people are going yeah, crazy. Right. And they're so, so excited about it. And it's this really amazing opportunity to do a family drama in a hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always been really drawn to family dramas. This is us, succession. Uh, you know, some are kind, some are scary. I've, I've yeah. also always really loved hospital shows, whether it's House or Grey's. I've never seen a family drama in a hospital before. And this family, myself and Jason, Wendy Crewson, who plays my mom, who is... The woman who, you know, kind of behind the scenes and, and and beautifully built this whole hospital around my father's career. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. And the central conflict with these two, you know, we're butting heads all the time because he he can't help himself. He's a father. He thinks I'm not ready. And then as a doctor, I know I'm ready. And... He also doesn't know that he loves my, you know, empathetic leadership style, which revolves around listening to people. And I think he's a brute and a bully who treats people like they're disposable. And and so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of ideas that are meeting in this sort of David and Goliath story. And it's it's just so much fun to act with those two and with everyone else on the show. I think it comes out tonight. I mean, we're going to air this at a different date, but it, yeah. but it comes out tonight, tonight. right? It's ah. premiere day, yeah. I know it's so crazy. Congratulate! Do you have Thank um? You. You've been through a bunch of premiere dates in the board. Do you do you still get as nervous? Do you like like going to be calling the ratings, which today don't mean any what they used to? I mean, how do you handle premiere night? I don't think ratings mean anything anymore. Weirdly, it's like yeah. what is what is that? None of us know. There's streaming. There's live. There's live yep. plus three. Live plus seven. I don't know. Yep. Um, but. For me, what I am realizing and my loved ones who are in my house have been checking in with me today going, are you feeling your feelings? Are you feeling anything <laughs> at all? Why, why are you organizing Pinterest boards and, and still looking for, you know, a drying rack on Etsy? And I'm just like, ah. 
I, just, I don't know. I mean, it's like it's premiere day and I realize I'm so invested that I've almost disassociated from it. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an Olympic uh, medalist in disassociating. You and me both. Oh, we have to talk about that. No, believe you and me and my psychiatrist. Okay. <laughs> disassociating <laughs> is, is the enemy of intimacy. I'm learning. It is. But it's interesting when you do learn, when you learn a version of a high functioning kind of that, almost as a coping mechanism, because what we do requires such open chested yes. feeling. And by the oh. way, how else, how else do you walk through an airport if you can't disassociate? Yeah. Literally when I, when I like walking in any crowd I'm mm -hmm. in, I'm not in my own body. No, I can't be. I'm up here and I'm I'm noticing where everyone is, where every phone is. I know where it's coming from. I know where the exits are. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. As, as somebody in recovery um, from drugs and alcohol for so a really, really, really long time, the things that make you a drug and alcohol addict when shepherded in the right direction can also be extraordinary tools. Yeah. And so like dis disassociation, I, I would not, it's not what you, one should really aspire to, but man, it's a really good tool in the right mm -hmm. place, right? Isn't that part of what's interesting, right? When we grow up and we see ourselves and we do the work for whatever it is, whether you're in recovery or, or you know, you're healing from trauma or whatever, um, you start to realize that if you can toggle yeah. your natural response to things, you can actually build a toolkit yeah. If it owns you, it's scary. If you can't control the tendency to disassociate, that's scary. But when, when you start to learn, like, come on, that's got to make you feel a little bit like Harry Potter, where you're like, look at this magical thing that I know exactly how to do because my therapist is great and I actually show up. <laughs> yeah. You got to do the work, right? Yeah. You got to work. Well, good luck tonight. I will be, um, I'm turning the TV on, even though I'm not a Nielsen family. Um, by the way, I once knew a Nielsen family. Really? And when I would, and I, they would, this is back in the days when it wasn't just a box and they had to make a diary and they oh. would put in the diary that they watched my show and how many people they had over. Oh. And when they did it, I could see the ratings in Chicago where it was, would be, you would get an extra 500,000 people by one Nielsen box going on. I was trying to game oh. the system. By the way, it didn't work. The series was canceled. <laughs> almost immediately but um either there's no there's no free lunch but um there that said i i'm going to be turning on my tv for good sam tonight oh thanks rob and good luck yeah it's funny you know a 10 p.m slot some of my friends are like we have children can we just leave the tv on and then watch it tomorrow by the way 10 p.m used to be used to be the prime because um yeah. when we when we were doing west wing law and order was at 10 p we were at nine law and order mm -hmm. was at 10 yeah. And th that was the year that Law & Order just blew sky high. I mean, we were yeah. a hit, but Law & Order was a monster at 10 p.m. Yeah, 10 p.m. is a big deal. I think, I think you know, post-pandemic, we've all just gotten very sensitive to the sun. And I'm ready for bed at like 8 o'clock. So yeah. I'm going to have a coffee this afternoon and and stay amped for my premiere. <laughs> you get a hype, girl. Whoop, whoop, you hype. Good Sam. <laughs> Well, th thank thank you for coming. This is so fun, and uh, let me know. I'll come see. I'll come visit you on on your thing when I, I'm going back to my show today to tomorrow, and the, my life is not my own. But when I have time, I'd love to come come on for you. I would love that so much. That was great. What an interesting, interesting, smart woman, and uh, going to watch that hospital show. Good Sam. I don't know about you, but I'm gonna. 
Um, and now let's have a little gander at the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line, where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hey, Rob. How are you, man? This is uh, Chad calling you all the way from south of Georgia. was curious, in the movie St. Elmo's Fire, that awesome earring you rocked the whole movie, where is that earring? Do you still own it? Do you still have it? Do you know anything about where the earring is? Just curious. Let me know. When they told me Chad was on the line, I thought it was my brother. Um, but I, I'm glad it was you, Chad. Um, it's funny, the earring has is lost to the mists of time but the earring hole is still there in my ear it never closed up i mean i'm told that when you get a pierced ear if you don't keep a a, a plug in it or whatever it'll close up mine never did i don't know what that says about me um and if you if you look at my work today you'll get a gander at it it's still there if you look close enough um the earring was a um if i remember correctly um, a lightning bolt with like a, but at the top of the lightning bolt was like, what, what, what's at the top of a sword, you know, it has like the, the sort of handle and there might've been a skull and really early on in St. Almost Fire, I had my favorite, um, earring, which was an actual baby doll, I had a doll baby hanging off my ear in the scene where I'm in the Jeep. I only wore that earring once um, because it gave me an ear infection and it weighed too much. But listen, anytime we can do a deep dive on earrings, I'm down to clown. So thank you. Thank you for the question. And thank you all for listening. Next week, more interesting folks on Literally. Don't forget to give us a a rating if you're so inclined on Apple. Um, I'll take five stars, but I won't take any less stars. Thank you. Great having you. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced and engineered by me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Our researcher is Alyssa Grawl. Our talent bookers are Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. And music is by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed, just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. 
and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Rob Lowe.